point start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And as we mentioned uh, last week, if you tuned in then, Father Dickinson is on retreat uh, this week. So I have guest co-hosts, one new and one very, very, very <laughs> old. <laughs> and there it is. Got to get it right in. Right out of the way. So new, uh, well, I think we'll start with the old. Hi, Renee. Hi, Chris. Renee Leach has been is has been a regular guest co-host, if that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, in the past, she's been on on uh, Ignition several times, um, and she is in that sense very very old. I don't know what other sense I would have been talking about, <laughs> Renee. Uh, but new to Ignition and new to the diocesan staff relatively is Emily Hoffman. Hi, Emily. Hi, Chris. Who are you, Emily? My name is Emily Hoffman. I grew up here in Sioux Falls, uh, went to school in St. Paul, and recently just moved back and started working for the diocese in the Office of Discipleship and Evangelization. Yep. So we're happy to have Emily, um, and she was able to fill in um, as our new guest co-host, I guess. Maybe. Extra. Well, extra. There we go. <laughs> we'll see how it goes this time. And go from <laughs> we'll there. see if I get invited back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's that's excited right. now. Yeah. We'll see yeah. how it is after the end. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're, we're, we're talk about today is, um, Emily mentioned um, the, the name of our office. I don't know if we talked about this um, in past episodes, but uh, Bishop Swain reorganized our offices this summer, and we are the, as a group, we are the Office of Discipleship and Evangelization. So we want to talk a little bit about that, but particularly one part of the process of evangelization, which is conversion. Um, and I think, um, I was talking with Renee and Emily about this before uh, we went on the air. I think that oftentimes when people th- think about conversion, uh, in the context of religious conversion, specifically Christian conversion, they think about Paul, uh, St. Paul and his his powerful experience as he was on the way uh, to Damascus. Uh, I'm just curious to hear the, the two of you, your, your thoughts on that. I mean, is that when you think of, con- when I shouldn't say when you think of conversion, but do you think that when people think about conversion, they have the, the Pauline, you know, knocked to the ground sort of thing in mind when they hear that word? What do you think, Renee? I think, um, yeah, I think sometimes I, a lot of people will say, you know, what was what was the moment? What was the moment that you were converted? Um, a lot of times, I'm a convert um, from Protestant to Catholic, and and I grew up with um, people saying, "When were you saved? When mm-hmm. were you yeah. saved?" Um, and and for me um, personally. Um, my conversion, I didn't have the road to Damascus conversion. Mine was mine happened over a series of time, and, and I had some very strong moments in my life where I was converted. But to say, you know, I couldn't say July 3rd, 1972 was, was the date I was saved. I don't have that kind yeah, of conversion I, 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 story. I wasn't even alive then. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. And now I've just dated myself. <laughs> What do, we, what do you think, Emily? What do you, what do you, what do you think about the, the the idea of conversion and, and the popular conceptions of it? What do you think is is, it, is is Paul sort of the paradigm his experience? Do you think? I think a lot of people recognize that as a powerful testament of conversion, and so 
for me, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of a Paul in that way. Of my conversion was similar to his. It was it, it kind of culminated in this big moment of of the Lord really captivating my heart. And, and since then, it's been a journey and, and constantly having these these little conversions along the way. But I also have so many friends that um, it's 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 so beautiful that were raised in the faith and just continually throughout their life have had. These, these little turning moments towards the Lord um, and, and just have become such incredibly faithful people. So I think, um, you know, it goes both ways. And Yeah, I think because I've talked to people um, about this or you, you read about this, you hear about this. Some people are like, but I don't have my road to Damascus moment. And then they feel, but is that, am I not converted? Yeah, am maybe I, not, I haven't had it yet. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I no, I, I no comment. Um, you're not persecuting us, are you? No, I'm not. You're persecuting me all the time. Uh, no, but, but so, so I think some people, you know, struggle in a sense with the fact that they don't have this aha moment, and yet that's where. So there's Paul, but scripturally that we also have Peter. Uh, you know, Peter, who first yeah. meets Jesus because of his brother, Andrew, uh, but he doesn't have this powerful, I mean, he, he followed, he was among the first disciples called the first apostle, um, in, a, in a sense, the, the preeminent apostle. So, and he was always there. And he did have those moments, you know, depart from me, uh, Lord, for I'm a sinful man, um, his, mm-hmm. his denial of Jesus mm-hmm. and, the re- and then uh, turning back, his, his repenting. But he didn't have that great, you know, the more of like the 180 degree conversion mm-hmm. that, that Paul did. And yet he certainly had those sort of ongoing things. And, and so the, the, I think that's a, that's a good sort of... Um, Another another way to think about conversion, and, and we'll talk more about this as as we go through today's episode. But the fact that people have it doesn't have to be that one aha moment followed by other things. It can just be a gradual thing. Um, you know, people. I, I think of people who I've worked with here in the offices in the mm-hmm. past. Uh, my own wife. Uh, so that, that that's that's how a lot of Catholics are. As you were saying, they've always been there. They've uh, you know, it's been just it's a progressive deepening um i know for myself you know it was a little bit more of you know drifting away and then coming back but again there wasn't you know as renee you were saying you know some people would identify us will identify a specific day right and 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 that certainly wasn't i mean i can there is a an important period of several months maybe during my college years but not this one aha moment so so in light of that you know so it, it can be ongoing and progressive um what good is that to people? How, 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 not what good is it? How do we do that? Do you think? I mean, your own experience, you know, so if, if every, in a sense, every day can be a moment of conversion, how do we do that? How do we do conversion in our own lives? Do you think? One of the things that has been very important for me throughout my faith journey um, is, and this is just me looking back, um, I have been blessed with having very faith-filled people in my life at key moments in time. And it wasn't necessarily that these people were doing anything extraordinary, um, but it was very faith-filled Catholic people living their faith day to day. And that is what um, Mm -hmm. attracted me. Um, That is what... um, made me curious, ask more questions, um, made me discern things deeper and, and evaluate where I was in my life. And so I think I think the thrilling thing, you know, when you ask about how do we do that, I think the thrilling thing for me has always been live your faith. Um, 
go to Mass and invite people to Mass and um, ask, ask those questions um, of those people around you of um, why aren't you going to Mass? Why aren't you, um, you know, how do you feel about that? Where are you with God? Mm-hmm. Um, and live your life. I think that's yeah. so important. Yeah. You know, Chris, you were just talking about the call of Peter, and I've really been actually praying a lot with that with that entire story of them going out onto the boat and casting their nets into the deep and all of a sudden having this this great abundance of, of fish after they had toiled all night. And the first thing that Peter says is, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Um, and I think it's really interesting that, that when Peter sees and recognizes that there is something more to this man, this man, Jesus Christ, um, his first, his first awareness is that he's a sinner because he's encountering mercy. He's encountering love itself. And so I think these little conversions along the way have to happen when we recognize I'm a sinner and that I need, I need mercy. I need forgiveness. I need love. And from that, that's when, that's when these little conversions along the way come is when we constantly come back to the Lord and say, okay, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And the Lord says, no, I, I want you. So you both, interestingly, you, you both sort of, um, Renee, you talked a little bit about how can we help others mm-hmm. go deeper into conversion. And Emily, you talked about, you know, how, how can we convert our, not convert ourselves, but for lack of a better mm-hmm. word right now, mm-hmm. you know, deepen our own sense of conversion. So I'm curious to hear if, if you swap it, you know, what, what you, Renee, what would you think about how can we deepen our own sense of conversion and then vice versa to Emily? Make her start. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a that's a great question. Um, and I think the the beautiful thing is that you know when we we were just at the Encountering Jesus Christ conference um, two weekends was that two weekends ago already. I think so. um, and I loved how Curtis Martin used that example of a restaurant. He talked about okay, picture that you go to this most the most incredible restaurant you've ever been to. You have the best meal. Um, incredible service, it's a great price, whatever it might be, just this incredible meal, and you leave, and and what's the first thing that you want to do? Well, I want to call my friends and tell them about this new restaurant here in town. That's It's incredible, great service, great food, wonderful atmosphere, whatever it might be. Um, we don't have this, this moment of, oh, but I don't know enough about the restaurant yet. I probably shouldn't tell anybody because I don't know their entire menu. What if what if their desserts are not all incredible? <laughs> right? We would never do that. Right. And so um so I think in helping other people along this along this journey is that when we have these little conversion moments for ourselves, it's something to be shared. It's not it's not simply for for my own benefit, but really Christ's command was to go and make disciples of all nations and that includes sharing your own experience of and your own your own encounter with his love and then going and sharing it just like the the incredible restaurant we go and we tell people about this incredible man who who changed my life and I want him to be able to change your life too awesome cool mm-hmm. Renee what do you think about the personal conversion the personal conversion um it's it's recognizing like Emily said that you're a sinner, um, but also recognizing um, that Jesus loves us anyway, mm-hmm. and that we don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And it, somebody said that Jesus loves me just the way I am, but He loves me enough not to leave me mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. And so oh, it's it's just um, hearing the call of Jesus to come deeper 
into that personal relationship and admitting, you know, taking the time to evaluate um, where you are on your journey and and then having the courage to forgive yourself. And then, you know, the, the sacraments of reconciliation and, and um, daily mass and those kind of things for yourself. And, and just um, for me, um, part of my conversion has been um, just learning more mm. and um, the more, the more I learn, the more I realize, um, the closer I feel to Jesus, and the and the closer, um, the closer I feel that He's in my life, and 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 then I realize that there's so much more to learn. Why do you think that is? What's the connection there in your own experience between growing in knowledge and growing in relationship? Well, I think. It, you know, when you first meet somebody um, and you think they're a really cool person and there's somebody you want to hang out with, um, um, there's there's an intrigue there and, and you want to learn more. And then the more you learn, the more you like, and the more, you know, and it's it's just, it's like, it's like dating. So you meet this guy, he's awesome, and you get to know him, but the more you learn about him, the more you want to learn about him, and, and pretty soon you're like, goes a little bit deeper and you're in like and then you're in deep like and then you're in love and then eventually he becomes your whole center of of your universe and that's kind of how my journey has been um with jesus is is the more i learn the more i want to learn and and the more i um i see that i'm um i'm you know you're i'm a child of god and and i'm in awe and i'm the um child to the one through one true king and and um and you just become more and more in awe of everything that he's done for us do you and 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 if you don't that's that's totally fine but do you have any specific examples of anything you've learned recently that have really illuminated or or deepened your relationship are you inferring something no no (laughs) i know this is the problem chris knows me too well (laughs) no no I know that you had recently, during the Year of Faith, you know, read the Catechism, and you finished recently. And I know also that it, along the way that there are a number of things you, you had aha moments. So I didn't know if there was one particular, at least maybe recently or not. Uh, well, there were several. You're right. There were several in there um, that um, were that were aha moments. Um, one of the things that um, reading the Catechism. Um, did for me was it gave me a deeper appreciation for all of the saints um, that have come before us and the example that they have given us mm-hmm. and how um, they really truly were um, people just like us that had their own crosses to carry and their own battles to fight. Um, and But what good examples that they were. Um, and um, th- I guess for me, the thing that um, sticks out the most in my mind is because we just finish talking about it is um, is the fact that um, you know prayer is a battle is mm-hmm. is kind of what's on my heart right now is that was one of the statements in the catechism is is that prayer isn't supposed to be easy um, it's a battle and people you know we've, we've got great examples of, of people who have prayed and people who have um, you know how to pray and what to pray, but it's it's not supposed to be easy. And the 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 whole point of it is that we keep turning back. 
Um, we don't have to always do it well, and and it is a struggle. And sometimes we're not going to pray well, and we're not going to pray often enough. Um, but the but to keep turning back to Jesus and keep turning back and keep turning back. That's that's where that's where the growth comes in realizing that you can't do it on your own. What do you, Emily? What do you, in your experience, your own personal experience, the relationship between faith and uh, or knowledge and and relationship with God. What, what's that been like in your journey? Yeah, I studied um, Catholic studies was my major, um, and so really, so much of my formation in the last four years has been through the knowledge that I'm receiving um, in in school, basically. Um, so I think it's really it's a, it's amazing how how truth reveals beauty. And beauty reveals truth. There's just this this constant cycle, um, and I think one example that I that's that's been sticking out to me um, is having just read a book called The Master Plan of Evangelization. Um, I think you guys are both familiar with it. Uh, Robert Coleman, I think, is, is mm-hmm. the author of that. But um, basically, he just lays out via scripture how how did Jesus Christ complete his mission? How did, how did he do it? Um, how did he get followers? How, how is it that we now have upwards of 1 billion Catholics in the world? You know, he established this church 2000 years ago. How did we get to where we are now? Um, and, and just talks about how he started with a few. He invested in, in 12 and even further, Peter, James, and John, you know, the, those three were always with him. Um, and just lays out there's like eight different things really that they talk about and that that Robert Coleman points to in this and it's been so fruitful um, just in my own prayer life in my own um, relationship with Jesus Christ because it's teaching me to rely on him um, and reminding me that everything that I'm trying to do particularly with with my work right now in ministry um, Jesus did it first and he set the perfect example and so I'm learning more and more about what that looks like and in turn, just falling in love with the Lord all over again because I'm realizing how incredible his his work is and and, and what he did. He had it figured out. So cool. Um, I want to come. Both of you sort of moving or, or talked about prayer, and I want to come back. I want to talk more about that. But first, um, you, you mentioned uh, something that Curtis Martin shared at the at the conference recently. One of the other speakers from the microphones talked about. Um, our, our 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 relationship with God and how it's personal, but it's not private. And I thought that was an important distinction to make as well, because we, you know, especially when you're talking about inviting, you, know, Ray, you were talking about earlier about inviting people and so on. Mm-hmm. I think especially as Catholics, speaking from my own personal experience and from mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, uh, of Catholics that that I've talked to about this, we we have this idea of you know, we can have a personal faith, but what we tend to mean by that is a, is a it's a private faith. Mm-hmm. They're not we're we're not very comfortable. We're comfortable though with the whole witness thing. You know, we love, you know, and I've used this many times, the St. Francis of Assisi saying, that's at least attributed to him, proclaim the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. And we're like, yes, exactly. It's by, by my witness. And we are supposed to witness. And Renee, you were talking about that earlier, mm-hmm. the power of Catholics witnessing um, their faith, living out their faith was a powerful witness to you. Yes. 
at the same time, we are all called that, that when necessary, use words. That doesn't mean when never use words. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's but that's really hard, I think, for us because we have this idea of sort of the street corner. Uh, quote-unquote Bible basher. If that person really exists, I don't know. But that's the mental image I think we have. And one of the things, there's a couple of things that are floating in my mind right now is um, God has really put on my heart lately that um, as Christians, we're called to be a nation set apart. And so our lives are supposed to be different. Um, If we're truly living our faith, what we're doing and and how we conduct ourselves in, in every moment of our day should be different than what mainstream society is um i've completely lost my second point on that that comes with old age <laughs> while you're thinking about it this just that, that reminded me um i was just recently talking to a friend who was riding with his grandma with his grandmother and the car in front of them there was a, there was a bumper sticker of sorts that said i love jesus or or something like that and grandma was kind of overwhelmed by that she she said something along the lines of oh that you know put that away kind of thing and she's a devout holy holy woman but i i wonder if there's kind of this cultural thing of that's supposed to be kept private that's you know families used to not talk about it and, and still you know families don't really talk about it it's it's you pray before meals but it's a personal thing and everybody kind of does their own thing and and that and that sort of deal and so i wonder you know is this a is it a cultural shift that we're experiencing that you know, a few years ago, our grandparents and such, it wasn't something that was okay to be talked about. I don't and, know. And one of the things that I would, and I remembered my second point, so thank you for, for throwing that in there. But one of the things is I know I've gone to lots of different, you know, go to a restaurant or go to a family event and somebody will say, well, why do Catholics do that? And why do, you know, why does the... Why does the bishop, why can't he just keep his opinions to himself, yada, yada, yada. And I think a lot of times as Catholics, we get we kind of keep it private because we get a little gun shy. Um, you get tired of defending your faith or feeling mm-hmm. like you should defend your faith. And I, th- and I, think, um, I think we need to stand up and just um, know our faith well enough so that we can answer those questions in a very knowledgeable way, in a very peaceful way, in a very loving way. Um, but I, th- but I think those, the how we answer those questions and how we deal with those situations, number one, identifies that people are curious and wanting to know what's the big deal. But number two, um, those are those are seeds being planted in somebody else's conversion story, and um, we need to be mindful of that. One thing we uh, we were talking about uh, last week, talking about this episode, was the idea of, and I, it dovetails with what you were just saying, the idea of an elevator pitch. You know, in sales, like in th- if, if you were in an, in an elevator with somebody um, and, and had a product to sell um, and you had 30 seconds as the elevator goes from one floor to the other, um, what would you say to really try to intrigue and interest this person? Would either of you, uh, are either of you, do either of you have what you would consider an elevator pitch for being a Catholic Christian? I'm still debating in my my own head whether or not I have one. Think it's possible to have one. To be completely mean? honest with you, or, or at least to, I'm debating whether or not I think it's completely effective, um, because 
one thing that Jesus shows us is that it takes time to, true. To, to invest in people and to invite them along. But I do think, that being said, I do think um, the Lord presents us with opportunities each and every day to show his love. And every person that you meet is an, is an opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ and, and to share him. And so <clears throat> I think, I think my, my elevator pitch, if you will, you know, somebody was to say, okay, so why are you, you know, why are you Catholic? Why, are you, why is faith important to you? Um, I think in all honesty, I would say that I was broken and I was seeking anything that could fill me and that could bring me joy and happiness and peace. And I exhausted all of my options and ended up before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament one evening with a, with a group of a hundred other high school kids. Um, and I was only kneeling there because everybody else was. And, and I said, okay, God, if you're real, do something in my life. I'll give you, I'll give you 30 seconds. Ready, set, go. Who am I to give God 30 <laughs> seconds, right? Who does that? But I did. Emily I Hoffman did. Emily that. Hoffman does that. And I, and I gave God 30 seconds and, and he responded in, in a profound and beautiful way and absolutely radically changed my life. Hope came back. Peace came back. Joy came back. And I, I found a purpose in living, and I recognized there's something so much greater than me, something so much bigger and more beautiful than I could ever be. Um, and and it's, it has a name and a face, and it's Jesus Christ. Um, and I, so I, I think you, so going back to what you were saying, your preface there, I think you're, I mean, it does take time. At the same time, we should be able to testify to, to yes. give a testimonial yes. with regard mm-hmm. to our faith. Now, would you do that to a stranger in an elevator? Probably not because mm-hmm. of what you were just saying, the importance of a relationship and so on. Mm-hmm. But I think what's the, the idea of the elevator pitch is, is, is powerful to me because it helps me as I've been thinking about this too, how would I, just in, in a succinct way, the way that you just did, um, how, how could I testify to what God has done mm-hmm. in my life, or mm-hmm. at least at times in my life? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I don't think there's one way to do the quote-unquote elevator pitch either. So what would be your pitch? So I think for me, it was, you know, it was it's the, through the truth of, of God's teaching, he called me to himself in college, but I'd focus more on more recently, just becoming aware of his personal presence, that God is someone and not something. It's not just the catechism. It's somebody who loves me deeply um, and, and who, who died on the cross. And I've, and I've shared, I think on the, the podcast before, um, uh, and I know both of you've heard me talk about, there's this line in the catechism that I love, um, where the catechism says that, it speaks about how when Jesus was suffering and his passion and death, he was thinking not just of all of us, but each one of us, thinking and loving about me. And that, that's just really struck me more and more um, about that. So, so that's in a nutshell. Renee, 30 seconds. Do you have a no, no, <laughs> any, any final thoughts that either of you want to share as, before we wrap up this episode? No. Pray about your elevator pitch. Renee? A question can change a life. What do you mean? Um, my, one of, part of my conversion story was I was asked, why are you not attending daily mass? Mm. And it sent me on a journey that um, brought me to where I am today. So, so somebody, whoever asked you that, just making that, 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 that simple, asking you that simple question. A 12-year-old kid, yep, asking me that simple question. And it, it 
changed my life. Yeah. And we didn't get to talk much about prayer, but I think we would all agree that part of this has to be just beginning or deepening a daily prayer because that's that's a relationship, our relationship with God. Right. Okay, so that's it for this episode of Ignition. Um, I, I didn't mention at the beginning, but we're always happy to get listener feedback. So you can email me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. If you have any questions about anything we said today, any ideas for future episodes, anything like, send that my way. Uh, thanks for listening, and God bless.